1: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, joined by PFF analysts and their own Andrew Erickson. As always, pretty much, we are here today on this fine Monday to break down the draft. It is not past midnight like the, our last two breakdowns <laughs> where we've had a little bit of time to actually you know fact check some of the things we're not burnt out from six straight hours of writing and stuff and i got a lot to get off my chest andrew so happy uh post draft time and andrew i guess the right word is happy freaking real fantasy football offseason we finally got our landing spots and it's time to uh, adjust the old ranks and grind
0: there's so much to unpack from all of the landing spots for all the rookies you got veterans impacted there's just a lot of stuff to go over so let's get started
1: let's get started so everyone plan for today Andrew and I are going to go through rank our top five quarterbacks running backs and wide receiver for 2021 only we'll do some dynasty stuff as the summer progresses also want to look at which non-top three-round picks we think we can make a biggest impact as we talked about on this podcast at length over 80% of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, top-performing rookies are drafted inside the top three rounds. There are exceptions. 20% has to go somewhere. We'll talk about who the best candidates are for that. Also going to go through the biggest winners and losers from a team not even talking fantasy. We are capable of talking real-life football on this podcast as well, oh no. uh, people. So we'll see uh, We'll see how that goes. But yes, thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, and let's get it rolling. So Andrew, hit me with your top five QBs for 2021 out of this class.
0: All right. So my top five are Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones.
1: Why Trey Lance one? Because so we had Shanahan come to the presser today and they did refer to Trey Lance as they thought the most pro ready QB, which went a little <laughs> bit against, uh, you know, kind of the thought where he might be sitting behind Jimmy G. I get it since 2010, we've only had four top 10 QBs start feared in 10 games. So history tells us Lance will be out there, but I mean, this isn't your typical team picking out number three. And as much as we might not be thrilled about Jimmy G, you know, in terms of his overall upside, he's
0: still a guy that can carry the offense. I guess, How long do you think till Trey Lance is under center? A month, maybe depends on how long Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy. I guess for me, when I'm looking at ranking these particular players, again, the beginning of the year doesn't necessarily matter as much. Again, you win the fantasy playoffs down the stretch weeks, 14, 15, and 16. So, and you, you want to have these guys on your roster before that happens. So Trevor Lawrence, of course, is going to be the guy that's locked in to start for week one, but that may not really matter as much. Again, this is something that I learned last year. I learned the hard way. I had so much Tyrod Taylor. It's just like <laughs> an, un, an unhealthy amount of Tyrod Taylor. And if I had just drafted Justin Herbert in all those best ball leagues instead of Tyrod Taylor, I, I would have won so much more money. But because I was so focused on the front end of things and like, well, he's going to start and I like his situation. It's like, no, really think about it. Like when it's all said and done, Trey Lance is going to be under center. Justin Fields is going to be under center. And that's what really matters. Not so much, oh, well, you know, we have to project. We have to put it in this way. We need to – and the same thing with the projections. Like we have to do an 80-20 split with Garoppolo and Lance because that's just the way that projections work. But that doesn't necessarily help us so much for fans because we're like, no, well, only one of them can start. So we're going to start Trey Lance when he plays. We're not going to start Jimmy Garoppolo when he plays. And that's kind of thing about,
1: you know – people have talked about these rankings competitions like median projections and you kind of see the best rankers year after year they don't really make huge stands on guys one way or another you do end up seeing it just being more on the safe side and that's great for trying to win rankings competitions but we're trying to win a fantasy football league not necessarily uh get the median projection right so you're right andrew i mean projecting that trey lance is going to be a qb2 probably outside the top 20 because he's not playing enough games but we got to realize with some of these guys that when he is going to be out there he's going to be much closer to the qb1 i think lance should probably be the dynasty qb1 i think at this point can we go there nathan uh, yonke did over at pff.com he is just so fantasy friendly people he only had one game out of 19 his last 19 games only once did he not find the end zone as a rusher or clear at least 40 yards there's a reason why we called him Taysom hill with actual arm talent in our pff draft guide i would say so you have fields too
0: yeah, so I went back and forth with Fields and Lawrence at number two. I think that they're really close, but I just look back at the the rushing upside. And again, nice. I, I know Lawrence has it, but Justin Fields has has more of it, and and that's what matters. Look, if you look at rankings right now, Jalen Hur- like just look at Jalen Hurts. Like how okay, like Jalen Hurts versus Joe Burrow, right? We're having this conversation heading into, into you know last year. Okay, who's better? Okay, everyone's going to say Joe Burrow. Everyone's drafting Joe Burrow. No one's drafting Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is now going ahead of Joe Burrow. Like, <laughs> it it doesn't matter who's actually better in real life. So if you say Trevor Lawrence is better than Justin Fields in real life, okay, like, that's fine. The Jaguars yeah. clearly think that. But a lot of people, number one, don't think that. A lot of people thought it was really 1A and 1B. And if it's really that close, then I'm going to go to the guy that's going to turn to his legs more often than not. And also, some of this Urban Meyer stuff has kind of got me less than <laughs> enthused about how, this, <laughs> about how this office is going to look out. So, yeah, Justin Fields for me, I think just kind of at two.
1: I saw the rap sheet report saying how the Bears want this to be like their Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes situation. Like, okay, people, first of all, quit quit citing Pro Bowls. The Pro Bowl stopped meaning a damn thing when Trevor Simeon declined, declined his invitation like five years ago. So don't don't sell me on Pro Bowls. Dalton literally just got to Chicago. Like what is their – he just traded up for Fields. What's your benefit? Has Dalton even like been inside the team walls to this point? Like does he even have a better relationship with the players than Fields does? it's not even close to the same thing, man. Alex Smith was in KC, not doing amazing, but like leading a competitive football team every year. And then he played the best season of his career once freaking, uh, they got Tyreek uh, Tyree kill in 2017. And obviously Patrick Mahomes was there sitting there on the bench for one year. So man, oh man, I, I hate that comparison. I hate the idea that fields would spend even a week on the bench. But to your point, I am confident ranking fields one for all that rushing upside. I mean, look, I know it took Josh Allen until 2020 to become a great real-life quarterback. He was already great in fantasy the two previous years. We need to separate in draft season. You know, we've all been seeing the rankings. Trevor Lawrence won. Trevor Lawrence won. He should be one. He was one for a reason. But in fantasy people, different game. Unfortunately, it doesn't always line up with what we see in reality, but we need to react otherwise. Look, Mac Jones is fifth. Don't draft him to your team's people. He just doesn't run enough. Now, he was a little more athletic than I guess we thought at the uh, combine. So I don't, you know, he can pick up eight yards if it's there, but 42 rushing yards in a 30 career games. That's not exactly a fantasy friendly rushing floor. As we've seen our rookie QBs, it's going to be tough for them to really have high end passing efficiency from the get go. And finally, Andrew, it's Zach Wilson. So just came off an underdog fantasy stream uh with Josh Norris great uh great product great guy but we're talking about the jets man and If you look at these large field tournaments and you want to be contrarian, you want to pick someone that everyone else is going to be on. I think the Jets make a lot of sense as an offensive stack because not many people want them. And because of that, you're getting all these guys at their floor. Like we're going to have to draft Fields, draft Lawrence as QB, probably 13 to 15 range because we're hoping that they're going to be up there. We can get Wilson a good 10 QBs later at this point. So we've known he's going to the Jets for really months at this point. He's still falling down. Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore even my guy, Chris Herndon, who we'll talk more about later, like there are weapons in place and the defense still sucks enough that Wilson could put it together. I have him ranked four, two. I'm not overly bullish on Zach Wilson this year, but just in terms of being able to draft a guy at their floor, I think that almost the entire Jets offense qualifies.
0: Yeah. Corey Davis was someone that I had wrote up after he signed with the Jets as someone that I I didn't like. I didn't really like the landing spot. I didn't think that he could really be in number one. And then you realize he's the wide receiver 50 or, or something like that and it's like okay well i mean clearly I don't like him as much as everybody else does so i guess i'll I'll draft Corey davis but again yeah they are they're all going too late and it's just the stigma about the Jets yeah, everyone still thinks i mean like if you ask half the people who play at best it's like oh yeah adam guy's still on the team like he's, <laughs> he's he's like his his Aurora his stench that he's left there just less this impact on us all the prayer yards we chased last year are just it's so hard to go back to it. But again, it's coming from a different quarterback this time. And, and Zach Wilson has a uh, really talented arm. So he should be able to make some throws downfield. That's good for Elijah Moore. Good for Denzel Mims. So, and, and look, the defense again, Robert Sell is there, but the personnel, especially in the secondary, I mean, their cornerbacks are still looking mighty, mighty shaky. They didn't draft any defensive players until the fourth, until day three. I mean, they went all offense. Cause I think they know it's like, well, <laughs> We're going to hope the coaching really just kind of comes through here because we don't really we need to focus on offensive personnel first. So I think the defense is still going to be pretty shaky and, and they're going to have to, they're going to be trailing in a lot of games.
1: And again, people, so once this gets twisted, where, you know, social media graphic comes out where Ian Hart told you to don't leave your drafts without <laughs> Jets players, like I'm not asking you to pick between like Corey Davis and, you know, like Deontay Johnson, you're picking between Corey Davis and like some rookie that has not even been inside their team's walls yet. So remember, we don't hate players. We hate ADPs. And right now all those jets ADPs are not worth hating moving on to running back. So I want to go off for a second on some of this backlash towards Steelers, RB one, Najee Harris, and honestly, Joe Mixon too. I've been talking about these guys and the amount of replies I'm seeing where there's like, Oh, check the O-line bro. How many, there are more (laughs) O-line experts on fancy Twitter than I have ever seen at this point that not only, I guess, can read to 2020 stats, but also project forward to 2021. I understand the Steelers do not have a good O line. I wish they would have done a better job improving it this offseason. It just doesn't matter as nearly as much as we think it does in fantasy. And also, don't over freaking, don't over exaggerate our own ability to properly assess what's going on with these offensive lines. Because look at last year, because everyone's once say Steelers were 31st in PFF run blocking grade. Let's take a look at the other running backs that were on these bad run blocking units. Let's see how that went. Austin Eckler on the dead worst uh, offensive line. RB 11 and PPR points per game. Miles Gaston on the Dolphins, who ranked 30th, was RB 12. Ezekiel Elliott was RB 16. Melvin Gordon, RB 23. David Johnson, RB 15. Josh Jacobs, RB 14. James Robinson, RB 6. People, did James Robinson do so well last year because he was truly just this uh, uh, incredible talent that defenses had no answer for on the 1 and 15 Jaguars, but James Robinson just, you know, no one ever had an answer for him, even though they knew that's where the ball was going. No, he did it because Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry had more touches than him, and that was it before he got hurt. Only four running backs had at least 300 touches last season. It's just become more rare than ever to get that three-down workhorse, and Najee Harris fits that mold. So, yes, the O-line isn't great, but Najee, one of the best catch races we have seen from a running back. Anybody's idea of a great pass catcher, he's going to have more than enough volume to return likely RB one value, man. Andrew, we talked about this post draft. We have him kind of ranked RB 15, RB 16 right now, but the more I look at it, man, he's definitely the rookie RB one. And I think we need to try to make a way to find it room in our top 12, top 13 sooner rather than later.
0: I don't, I don't think it's really that hard to explain. Again, you, you mentioned the volume and that's really the key thing here. Look, James Robinson wasn't talented enough because clearly they drafted another running back. So <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars, at least the new head, the new staff wasn't convinced, but that's the thing, you know, it's all about the volume and that's what Najee Harris is going to get. There's no one else in that backfield. Like he's going to, he, he's, he's going to average what three and a half yards per carry or something like that. It's probably not going to be great, but he can catch passes. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more.
1: And I even think the three and a half, like James Conner averaged 4.3 yards per carry behind that O-line. I, I you know, Steelers were a 12th ranked scoring offense last year. I know it got ugly towards the end of the year, but I just think we're over-exaggerating a little bit. But yes, Najee Harris should be consensus rookie RB1. I don't even think people are debating that as much, but I just think in the overall hierarchy, not just rookies, uh, consider pushing him up the ranks. Andrew, who do you have at 2-3 between Javante and ETN? I'm assuming those are the 2-3.
0: Yes, so those are my 2-3. I have Javante at 2 and then Um, ETN at 3. Same page. That's... That's where I had them before too. And again, their situations are, I say with are pretty similar again, they're both kind of sharing backfields now or potentially in a potential committee with a Melvin Gordon for Williams. And then obviously James Robinson. But for me, it was just, I just thought Williams was the better prospect coming out. So I kind of still lean towards him. And I guess you could argue that, you know, Melvin Gordon's a free agent at the end of this year, there's a new GM that came in one of his first picks he makes is a running back they already got rid of Philip Lindsay. So again, they may not be happy with the who they have there already. And Pat Shermer, the head, the uh, offensive coordinator of the Broncos really has a history of bell cow backs. Like he's really more about the bell cow not really split time. We didn't really split carries with Lindsay and Gordon last year that much. I mean, it was really, I mean, it was really more Melvin Gordon as the guy. And then it was a Lindsay kind of working in periodically at times. But I think that it's going to be Williams that, that takes over. Again, I still like ETN too. But I, I kind of view them pretty similarly. And then it's like, if the market is higher on one, I'll probably just be drawn to the other. So I'll probably end up just taking whoever's cheaper. I
1: I wouldn't, he doesn't have the same hype. but 2021 Melvin Gordon strikes me as 2020 Leonard Fournette, someone I want under absolutely no scenario, even <laughs> if they're, you know, deemed a value, like wherever they're kind of falling, because I really don't think the potential is there for a three down workload. And it just seemed like a committee back. It's going to get replaced. It would not shock me, man, if Melvin Gordon even gets like cut from that late-season DUI. If they just don't think he's doing much, I, I would have thought probably punishment would have come from now. But it's not a good situation. I'm looking over the cap right now. The Broncos could save about $7 million against the cap, only leave $2 million in dead money if they can find a trade partner for Melvin Gordon at some point after uh, June 1st. So unlikely, but I'm with you. I do have Javante ahead of ETM because from Urban Myers' lips, I see Carlos and James, the one, two downhill, powerful running backs. And I see Travis, there's times where he could be in two backs and Travis is a guy that goes out or we're still playing with it. But he's certainly a third down back and he's a guy that's a matchup matchup issue for the defense. I think a lot of that is coach speak. I see Etienne being the undisputed lead back sooner rather than later in that backfield. But I'm going to have them ranked right next to each other. And for me, Javante's worst case is a two back committee, Etienne's three backs. So, yeah, I'm with you, Javante. And uh, moving on to four and five. It's Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, Andrew,
0: which one, yeah. are you ranking,
1: which <laughs> one are you ranking ahead?
0: I have Trey Sermon just narrowly ahead of, of Michael Carter. I mean, they're, they're pretty close for me. Again, you have, you're, we're pretty clear with the tier. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious what the running back rankings are because the NFL was like, all right, these are the guys we actually care about. These are the ones we don't care about because none of them got draft capital basically, except for the top three guys. And then Michael Carter was able to kind of slide in there at the, the end or the beginning of, of day three. But it's just a matter of, yo, if if those guys get the action, if they get the ball, then they're going to produce. They're both running in Shanahan-esque offenses with the outside zone. So we know that they're going to be efficient. They were both efficient runners in college when they were featured as the running backs there. So it's really, you know, whoever you like a little bit more. I guess you could say Michael Carter probably has a, easier chance of immediate production, but the overall offense may not be as good. Trey Sermon, you might have to wait a little bit more, but again, the 49ers running backs were all hurt last year. I would expect where he most still open the season as the starter. But again, he's has an expiring contract. He's also 29 years old. So that, that's obviously up in the air. They like Trey Sermon. And then the jets obviously like Michael, Michael Carter. So it's really close for me, but I guess sermon, if because if they're both established as the workhorses, which ultimately that's what we want, or else it doesn't really matter, it would be sermon that probably be the better bro- running back
1: going in the draft. I think the five kind of backfields we identified as the most fantasy friendly top three were easily Jets, Falcons, Steelers, and the 49ers and Cardinals were kind of there rounding off the top five. So it's really not that bad for sermon. I mean, most are I've been loving Mostert the entire offseason. season. I, every time I do a best ball draft, I try to get <laughs> that guy. Uh, so I'm pounding table for him. But yeah, I do think most of going to be the one a and sermon is likely to be the one B and he's going to be involved. So I guess the assumption that I don't like that I see some people making is that Michael Carter necessarily has this easier role to like a workhorse uh, type of spot. Like, I don't know, man, Tevin Coleman has a, history with LaFleur he's kind of like Carlos Hyde where I'm not worried about Coleman I'm not worried about Hyde but when you put them with a coach that seemingly likes them I mean it doesn't really matter what we think it matters what that coach thinks and he brought him in for a reason there are there are other guys there but I just think more than anything the Shanahan's in recent years have used more of a committee system. So even if it's an easier backfield for Carter to quote unquote take over, like I'm not sure that's even really in his range of likely outcomes because we could just see them kind of rotating, touching between him and who else. So easily big five, I'm slightly sermon ahead of Carter with you, but I think more than anything, like hopefully I'm hoping their ADP settle kind of hopefully in the low 30 range. Cause then they're like dream zero RB candidates. We just don't know enough right now to move them up higher.
0: Yeah. I'm really worried that they're going to go up to like the fourth round. And yeah. it's, it's just because right. that's what happens. Cause people figure out like they, we all established him as the guy. And then they, that's when things, that's the dead zone. like That's the RV dead zone where you just don't get any benefit for the running backs usually taken in that range because they usually have, a lot of downside that people just aren't factoring in because of just the scarcity of the position.
1: Like it's, it's just a new backfield. We don't have a good feel for it. <laughs> Week one's going to come around.
0: And if Michael Carter has an
1: 80% snap rate, you know, there's going to be a lot of victory, you know, a lot of well-deserved victory laps will be taken if you really make a stand on the guy, but you know, that un- just be careful. If those ADPs start shooting up. Just re- realize these are uncertain situations as great as these guys could be. It's not a guarantee. Either one will be starting moving on to wide receiver. Andrew, I think there's a tier at one, maybe I'm going against the grand here, but I think Jamar Chase is one a and Devonte
0: Smith deserves to be one B.
1: Are you with me? Or do you think Chase should just be head and shoulders ahead of everyone
0: else? I think Chase should be in his own tier. I think that's, that's kind of how I've always kind of seen it to an extent, whether it was in dynasty rankings or there was in best ball rankings. I mean, I think we talked about it on one of the recap podcasts, but we had him up at like wide receiver 25. And I think that the other rookies for me don't fall until the white, like wide receiver 40 is kind of where I have the the other rookie receivers kind of coming in with, with Smith there as well. So I I just think that the, the Bengals offense is just going to be one of the most fantasy friendly that you could potentially ask for. Their defense is absolutely terrible. They throw all the time and you have this connection with Joe Burrow and Jamar chase. I mean, look, it's weird because we haven't seen Jamar chase play in such a long time, but I just have this feeling that the minute that he steps on the field, we're going to be like, Oh my God. Like this was the dude in 2019. That's why he won the Blitnikoff. Like this guy is just an absolute monster. And rightfully so it's going to push guys like Tyler or uh, T Higgins a little bit to the side, but again, it would not surprise me at all to see the Bengals support three top 30 wide receivers. Again, we see this occasionally with one or two offenses every single season. One that just is so pass heavy and doesn't use a tight end. Sounds a lot like the Bengals.
1: Yeah. And good points. I have Chase number one. So, you know, don't let this be a reason not to draft the guy. I would just say, though, having Higgins, having Boyd, we're probably not going to see Chase just have like 140, 150 targets. And I do think that is in Devontae's potential range of outcomes. If I had to say, gun to my head, who's going to have more targets in 2021, I do think Devontae has more targets. I think Chase is. Better enough, good enough, and a better offense to warrant uh, the higher ranking. But I do think it's a little bit closer than a lot of guys make it out to be. Are you with me, though, that Devontae over Waddle, Andrew? Again, I like Waddle. If I was running an NFL team, I would pick Waddle to be my wide receiver before Devontae. But just based on the targets, based on the Eagles likely having a far worse defense than the Dolphins, I think Devontae is a safer play than Waddle. I still have Waddle higher. <laughs> so, oh, uh, so,
0: Andrew. So the thing with Waddle, I just love his role in the slot. And again, they don't have a lot of possession receivers in the Dolphins' offense. Like Devontae Parker was absolutely dust with with Tua under center. He was, he was playing through uh, the pain. Yeah, he's he's paying through the pain for the last five out of six Forever. seasons. <laughs> he's been playing through the pain. Like that, I mean, that's I mean that's Devontae Parker. Like I honestly, I think that. His name cachet from that once half of a season, remember, we're only two seasons removed from him getting outproduced by Preston Williams, an undrafted wide receiver.
1: Okay, uncalled so, for, a shot up Preston, but your point stands.
0: Right, but I mean, look, I, I was on Preston Williams, like heading into next year. I liked him a lot more than Parker because I didn't like the, the matchup with Tua potentially going with a guy like Devontae Parker. Look, Tua doesn't really throw a lot of contested balls. Like that's not his game. He's always had, look, you know, the... The PFF Twitter account tweeted out all the Alabama receivers and all their new jerseys, and it's 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 fun and fantastic. But well, the thing that those guys all have in common is they all can get open. They're all fast. And that's what Jalen Waddle can offer to this offense that wasn't there previously. Again, Will Fuller is there, which I like, but it's between Fuller and, and I think it's really Fuller and Waddle that are the top two guys there. And I just think that t- Waddle's explosiveness and his usage in the slot I think that he just he might have just a little bit more upside. Look, again, I I there's no denying that Smith is going to lead the Eagles in targets. Yeah. I don't deny that at all. But, you know, Hurts, how how good is Hurts as a passer? Like 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 realistically. So that that's a big question mark.
1: I would say the good thing with Hertz, we've already seen him throw for 300 yards twice. It took us three years to be able to say that about Josh Allen. So even if he's not, you know, ever going to be just the most polished passer from the pocket, you can put up numbers when negative game script comes along, which is all we need. You have not changed my mind about putting Waddle over Smith, but I will be moving Waddle up probably the ranks because I, I don't know, Andrew, I need you to spell it out for me. I guess I didn't realize, you know, looking at Parker Fuller, Preston, like, my goodness, I don't like the term injury prone, but if there's a more (laughs) potential injury prone wide receiver room in the league, I'm not sure. uh, I'm not really sure there is outside of Miami. So maybe I'm still bitter that all those uh, last round Lynn Bowden picks are probably going to be going to waste from my pre-draft best ball series. But at a minimum, I do think there should be a tier gap between uh, your wide receiver three, whoever it is between Waddle and Smith and our wide receiver four, which I'm guessing is Mr. Elijah Moore
0: yes elijah moore is my wide receiver for i it sucks because i really wanted to put Terrace marshall somewhere in the top five but can't, can't of, dynasty maybe dynasty is okay <sighs> dude i just can't i can't get on sand Darnold, man i just can't do it and, and i think that this is also important like right now it's really i, I kind of started looking at this it's really easy to find a lot of late round quarterbacks you like it's really easy to paint the picture of, oh, well, this team added these weapons. These, this team added this weapon. So when we all start to realize that, okay, well, just because they all added weapons, hey, who had good weapons last year? Drew Locke, just saying. Hey, <laughs> like,
1: Kind <laughs> of. You, you really want to make that argument against the biggest Drew Locke apologists out here? <laughs> well, I'm DC. just saying. Yeah, all those 35 snaps you have from Courtland Sutton were <laughs> awesome or Jerry Judy having 10 drops. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying.
0: But uh, that's why Sam, I'm just... Uh, yeah, I, so that's with, with Terrace Marshall. But with Elijah Moore, I think that he fits in really well with Zach Wilson. He's a home run threat from the slot. Zach like Wilson's got a rocket arm, go downfield. i have just hearing some mixed reports about this Jameson Crowder thing. Like that's It's, it's weird. It's like we have the Zach Ertz thing that's kind of like looming. All right, We know he's going to get traded, but it like hasn't happened yet, so I can't move Dallas Goddard in the rankings like I'd like to. And then Jameson Crowder, I mean, all indications show that he should get cut. Like they saved $10 million. They just drafted a slot wide receiver. Like why wouldn't they do it? But I guess it's not on a time schedule. So I guess because of injuries, it's like, well, we're not going to cut them just because we can cut them whenever. So I guess that's one thing that's kind of yeah. concerning.
1: I guess that's true. Cause that's the confusing part with a lot of these guys. Like for example, uh, with the Aaron Rodgers trade, it's so unlikely a trade with Rogers happens until after June 1st, because that way uh, the Packers will be able to spread out his uh, like salary this year and next year and help their cap a lot. And that is the case with a lot of guys that June 1st deadline, it could become different if they're released before or after, but Crowder, it doesn't matter. They could cut him today and they would save 10 million. They can cut him on July 30th and they would save 10 million. So yeah, I'm not exactly sure what they've waited so long for, but I guess they're not in a hurry. It's just kind of a dick move to not let the guy <laughs> like go out, you know, like we were all Raising, you know, the Texans for being, cl- you know, how classy the Texans were for, you know, letting JJ Waco pick his destination instead of, you know, actually trying to get something out of them. So maybe they're out here dangling Crowder and trade talks. I don't know, but yeah, Elijah Moore should be in there sooner rather than later. You don't use that early of a pick on a guy to, uh, you know, make him your number four receiver, unless you're the New York Giants uh, potentially. Andrew, number five receiver, I think could be where we d- differentiate. Maybe, I don't know. We haven't looked at each other's list yet. I have maybe, Detroit Lions, wide receiver one. Amon Ra St. Brown, breaking my rule of top three round wide receivers. He did go with, I believe, the second or third pick of the fourth round. But my goodness, man, top five wide receivers under contract for the Lions right now. Brashad Perryman, who I like. That's great. yeah Tyra Williams, good when he's healthy, hasn't been healthy for a while. Khalif Raymond, one-trick pony field stretcher. And then Quintez Cephas and Victor Bolton, who we don't really need to talk about. So, you know, St. Brown, five-star, going into UFC, uh, really seems like a guy that will benefit from slot and you know maybe he maybe just maybe he's jared goss new cooper cup honestly man as long as the reviews for any wide receiver going to detroit weren't just like dog shit i was going to be on <laughs> whoever land this situation because just nobody has more available targets and as much as i was talking up you know the jets is a potential again contrarian late round best ball stack the lines kind of fit that mold too man if you're trying to win a million dollars and separate yourselves from again tens and hundreds of thousands of other lineups Jared Goff is going to be chucking the ball around. Go look at the last five weeks of 2019, man. He was the QB five when they were asking him to throw the ball 50 plus times a game. It's going to be ugly, like. But when you can get the guy in probably the last round of any draft and flank him with Perryman and St. Brown, you know, I'm throwing it up my mouth thinking about it. I'm not completely sold out on Andrew, but somebody is going to produce in this Lions' target in this Lions' offense. It might as well be St. Brown.
0: Yeah, we don't we don't post screenshots of our our lion stacks no, in best ball no. on, on we, the Twitter. We, we keep those ones close to the best <laughs> on the Twitter sphere. Yeah, I like Rashad Perryman a lot again because he's going to be the outside uh, perimeter receiver and Amont Saint Brown. So he wasn't a player that I was particularly high on moving in like during the pre-draft process. But again, I'm not going to say, oh well, I didn't like him, so I'm not going to think that he can be a productive receiver in a year one because he has the probably arguably the best opportunity because all the teams that needed wide receivers either drafted terrible wide receivers Titans, or just didn't draft any receivers at all. So from an opportunity standpoint, I think that Amon Ross St. Brown does like have leaps and bounds over many of the other rookies. And he, that's where he's been from best from the slot. And that's the a, a position that the Lions didn't fill with Perryman or with Tyrell Williams, but he is not my number five oh. because I want to weigh talent a little bit more in this particular exercise. Oh. So I'm still going to go with Rashad Bateman uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. I think that the way that the Ravens are constructing this off season, I think that they're going to try to throw more. Like there's been so much put on about Lamar Jackson. He can't throw and he can't do this. He can't do that. It's like, guys, he won MVP like two years ago, like lay off. Like, oh my God. Like, chill out well it's it's crazy it's like if he rushes for 100 yards it's like well he didn't throw for 300 yards so he, he has sucks. 60
1: 62 passing touchdowns <laughs> over the past two years no one's trying to say he's like Mahomes, but can we stop the running back jokes like come yes on.
0: it's it's ridiculous and, and that's the thing like if there's one thing that can make up for a lack of volume is kind of what i figured out is efficient passer and i know lamar jackson can do that like he's already done it before and again, I'm not saying he's going to have an absurd touchdown rate, but it's it's in his range of outcomes. Like he could definitely have a median between his MVP touchdown rate and last year's where it really fell off. But, you know, that was to be expected. But if it goes somewhere in the middle, okay, well, Rashad Bateman as a potential, you know, alpha X wide receiver that he came into the draft, came out of school as, like that's his role. I think that he has a legitimate shot to be their number one wide receiver. So that's kind of why I like Bateman at five. Just trying to buy the talent. The situation again, the passing volume is not there, but hoping that Lamar Jackson can kind of vault him up there.
1: And it's always tough to again. I'm 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 happy you are adjusting your ranks heavily, as we should, as we all should with these landing spots. You know, Andrew, I know you were super high on our guy, Elijah Herbert. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think we're gonna be talking about him on that on this podcast for too many more days. The landing spot just matters so much, everybody, and we'll continue to harp on that. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not entirely sold on st brown but i just think that the volume there is enough to win it out if bateman can be the number one wide receiver in baltimore like absolutely i just wouldn't be shocked if hell i mean he might not start the season in three wide receiver sets it could be Watkins, brown and Duvernay. It, that just could be run first offense going to be crowded maybe the talent wins out we shall see if you do believe the talent will win out and you want to put some money behind it feel free to go over to our friends at underdog fantasy if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money. You need to check out underdog fantasy. Underdog has got everything, including season long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season long game. where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. So go to underdog fantasy deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF edge annual subscription $40 value. Everybody just 10 bucks at underdog. Ooh. That's promo code PFF draft now at underdog fantasy. Andrew, we just went through our top five ranks you know, a few changes here or there, but I don't think we were going too far out on the limb with a lot of those guys. Now, though, I want to go through and pick. You know, we'll discuss more than one guy, but basically give me your favorite non-top three-round pick for running back and wide receiver. But first, just your non-top first-round pick at quarterback.
0: So for me, it's going to be Kelamond. I think that he offers the most fantasy-friendly skill set of any of the other quarterbacks, whether it's Kyle Trask, Davis Mills. So Mills, like, looking more at him too. He didn't really start that many games in college, so I'm actually not as certain that he's actually even going to start if Deshaun Watson's not there. And it could be ty- again. This Tyra Taylor thing just always—I'm always wrong about Tyra Taylor. So <laughs> could be totally wrong here again. But Kalamon might offer enough that if Kirk Cousins has a couple bad games here or there, that the Vikings might consider, hey, like, let's go with this kid here. And again. You know, Kirk Cousins kind of gets that mantra. And again, his his contract also gets like super expensive. So if the Vikings have an opportunity to look at another quarterback and save potentially like, I'm pretty sure his, his contract turns into like $40 million like hit next season. Jeez. So it, it gets really pricey. And if the Vikings are going in a different direction, potentially. So I think I, I like Kellen Mond. All right. I got an undrafted
1: free agent. I like more <laughs> than Davis Mills because <laughs> davis mills
0: has the best chance to start you
1: know yeah. 17 games outside of these other guys but guys he's just st- such a statue like Okay. If Davis Mills starts 17 games, he's like probably someone that deserves to be ranked as a top 25 QB just because he'll have enough volume to get there, but never ever would you want to even start him. So, you know, that's just one of those things. Not, we just can't get, we can barely get behind like statue quarterbacks when they're an awesome veteran, like Matt Ryan. We just cannot do it on a rookie in arguably the single worst offense in the NFL. So with that said, I think you're right with Mond, but what about Jamie Newman, undrafted free agent with the Philadelphia Eagles? My, okay, I lost two draft prop bets. I mentioned, I think, on one of the shows. I thought Devontae Smith would go over 11 and a half. I didn't think the Giants needed a wide receiver. You know, we saw how that worked out, so I'll take my L there. <laughs> my other one, man, I had Jamie Newman, who was a Wake Forest QB from 2017 and 2019, transferred to Georgia, opted out. I thought Jamie Newman would go, like, before pick 170 ends up not being drafted. So unfortunately didn't get to go in the Todd Munkin' system and really show what he could do. But you talk about fantasy friendly rushing floor man averaged 43 and a half rushing yards per game in 19 career uh contests over at Wake Forest. Jalen Hurts, you know, not 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 exactly playing the best way to not get injured you know some of the hits (laughs) he's taken out there Backup is joe flacco like newman could just be their qb3 and after flacco you know has a bad game or two maybe he's out there sooner rather than later i think ultimately the answer to who our favorite non-first round qb is is probably just no but newman and mond if you see them popping up later in the season and spot starts those are the ones that might actually be able to offer us streamer ability
0: and also, too, we're gonna have preseason DFS this year, and, and these are gonna be the guys yes. that we're gonna be looking at. So, Jamie oh Newman, gosh. Kellen Mond, these. I mean, that's the other thing too. Like, we get to have preseason games at all, which can give us an edge in terms of we're not gonna get Miles Gaskin again, where Miles Gaskin just comes out and is like, "Oh, I'm the starting running back." It's like, okay, like the teams aren't gonna be able to hide that as as much when we actually get to see them. Okay, this is their starting unit, and we'll know that. Potentially before actual drafts happen. So I think that's a big edge that we'll have.
1: Between this right now, Jamie Newman is going to be a preseason DFS God. You are so right. Because look, Flacco is like the (laughs) perfect, Flacco's their backup. He doesn't need to play a snap in the preseason. They don't want to get hurts hurt. Like, you know, pun intended, whatever. But uh, with Newman, man, he can just be out there for three quarters at a time. Okay, we've we've lost enough listeners talking about preseason DFS here in May. So, moving on to running back. Okay, obviously Michael Carter is the number one non-top yeah. three running back drafted. As Kevin Cole br- brilliantly wrote on PFF.com, best just you know in terms of opportunity score available in any offense for a running back to go into. Jets were number one. With that said, Andrew, who would be your I guess second favorite running back to target that was not drafted inside the top three rounds?
0: So for me, again, it, it, it's slim pickings. Like there, there really aren't that many great, great options. Again, I, I wrote down Michael Carter. I was like, yeah, I don't think Ian's going to fly with this because I'm pretty sure it's, it's the chalk answer. So I had to come up with another. So I guess for me, it's Ramondre Stevenson for the new England Patriots. And it was actually Kevin Cole, one of Kevin Cole's articles that actually pointed out that the Patriots actually have like one of the better opportunity, like strength opportunities for the running back position. And, and that's pretty wild to think about because you think about the Patriots running backs and you're just like, Oh my God, like it's a total mess. Like he can't do anything, but you can see a role where, okay. Sony, Michelle, like they could just trade him at this point or, or cut him or do whatever. They're clearly not. I mean, they, they keep drafting running backs. Clearly they're not invested in Sony, Michelle, you know, Damien Harris played over him last year. He was hurt again last year. I know that that Harris and Michelle were both really efficient, but I think that a lot had to do with just, you know, being with a mobile quarterback like Cam Newton, which may not be the case. But look, when I see Ramondre Stevenson, all I do is think about is LeGarrette Blount. Like I, I just like see this big masher of a running back. And if Mac Jones is in there, you're not going to have the goal line vulture of Cam Newman. Yeah. And so it could really turn out to be Ramondre Stevenson being the touchdown guy for the Patriots who for all intents and purposes should have a better offense this year with all the upgraded weapons, potentially a more, a better quarterback and more accurate quarterback, you know, moving down the field again, I don't know how the offensive efficiency will change between Cam and Mac Jones. Maybe it'll stay the same, but the overall offensive output should be better with just the better personnel around the entire team. Yeah. So Stevenson for me is really interesting because look, I'll the thing. He's just, he's different from every other running back in this class besides Harris. Cause he has size, like every other running back and is tiny. Like if, if the receivers are tiny, the, the running backs are tiny or Stevenson, Like They got him for a reason, and I think that when they're up in games, he's going to be the battering ram that they use, and it would not surprise me to see Stevenson have a couple games this season where 20 carries, 100 yards, a touchdown. Again, he's going to have games where he totally flames out if the Patriots are losing, because I don't think he's going to be using the passing game that often, but I think Stevenson's pretty interesting uh, running back.
1: 2016, LeGarrette Blunt, <laughs> 299 carries, 1,100 yards, 18 touchdowns. I would take the under on those for Stevenson, <laughs> but I do understand your point. It's rare. Again, I think the term vulture is overrated in today's NFL. We don't have guys like Mike Tolbert from back in the day who only come in at the goal line. Maybe that happens if there's a timeout or something, but generally the guy that's out there stays out there. But yeah, man, I mean, out of all these guys, like St- I'd say Stevenson, I think Kenneth Gamewell is going to be a part of the committee. Those are kind of the only two other than Carter that I would expect to maybe like be actually like play. To <laughs> actually play. Right. Well, that makes me think though. I think out of the rest, and again, Eli Mitchell and San Fran, maybe Chris Evans. I don't, I don't think Chris, he's fine, but he's not going to step into Geo's role. Right. No.
0: Right. No, I don't think I think that he's going to be just the direct backup. I think if, if they were going to put anyone in the geo role, they would use they signed um. Puka Williams, an undrafted free agent. Like he is just all like scat back. Like he would probably film, but Evans would probably be the direct backup to Joe Mixon. If there was an injury,
1: but Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan did tell us on the plan for third down usage among the RBs. I don't want Joe Mixon to leave the field. I think he's up for that challenge. Don't keep telling me, Oh, we've heard that story before. Not really people. Giovanni Bernard has always been on the Bengals he's been there. He was there for eight or nine years. Like, I think before we were just hoping that Mixon would get the role. Now, like the offensive coordinator is telling us he's going to get the role. And we know Mixon has the talent to do so. I mean – don't bring up 2018, 2019. Why you shouldn't get on the Joe Mixon train, but we'll we'll talk more about uh, Mixon later. All that to say, I think Chuba Hubbard might be the best back to waste a late round pick on because Mike Davis is gone, man. Christian McCaffrey's handcuff could very well be Chuba for the Panthers to use a fourth round pick on him. You know, I'm not, I'm, I don't even like the prospects necessarily. He's fine. I know he uh, regressed a little bit last year. Maybe he gets uh, back to ball, but again, not going to have any week to week touches. I don't think many of these guys are going to have that. Uh, just don't be surprised if he is the man if McCaffrey misses any amount of time moving on to wide receiver
0: we've talked about actually I did want to hit on one thing so I know you mentioned Kenneth Gainwell yeah and so the one thing I had the, the one my one issue with Kenneth Gainwell is so Nick Sirianni's already come out and said that so the former offensive coordinator of the Colts he's already come out and said that he wants Kenneth Gainwell to be like Naeem Hines so when I, when I <laughs> exactly like my exact reaction so for me so I've had Na- Na- Naeem Hines on the dynasty team probably for like three seasons now I don't think there's ever been one single week where I felt confident in starting him so I think that's the thing like with these running backs you want to stay out of of the middle in terms of their role like I don't care if this running back gets seven touches a game like it doesn't matter it doesn't help us I want either zero or like 18 and, and that's where you're on with Chuba Hubbard because that's his scenario. Like don't play at all. Like that way I know not to start you, but you're going to get teased when Gainwell has a game where he catches six passes for 80 yards and a touchdown. You're like, okay, I can start him this week. No. Cause that's, that's the Naheem Hines stat line. Yeah. Like that's exactly what happens. So Kenneth Gainwell, I think for me is like someone that it, he kind of, he was, a lot of people were higher on in pre-draft, including myself, but after the landing spot and doing a little bit more digging in terms of his role with the offense with the Eagles, I'm just like, gross. And
1: look, pre-draft, I had Miles Sanders, RB16, James Robinson, RB17. I'm not sure if Robinson's going to be in the top 40. Sanders, I still expect to be the Eagles, RB1, yep. the people. It's not going to be like it was in the past. Hurts is not going to help his target share. It's not going to help his overall rush attempts. And I think – under this new coaching staff, we're going to see much more of a committee approach. So Miles Sanders, you know, probably not someone I'm going to be having because if people want to treat him as an RB2, I think he's probably going to be a little bit closer to RB3 when it's all said and done. Could he handle a three-down workload? I think so. Let's also not pretend like Miles is this all-world talent that's been, you know, held back. Only Zico Elliott dropped more passes last year among running backs. And, uh, he was, and Miles fumbled as many times as Zeke did, maybe one less. I mean, Zeke. Rough year, R- rough year to be a rough year to be a, so close to Ezekiel Elliott in some numbers, you know, wouldn't be so bad uh maybe in the past. But yeah, man, just you know, nothing against Miles. I just think he's being a little bit overvalued in a new situation on an offense that very well might not be all that good. Moving on the wide receiver, Andrew, we talked about Amon Ross St. Brown already, who is catching your eye that was not selected in the top three rounds.
0: It's it's tough again. So <laughs> I like Tylon Wallace has a talent, but I also realized that the target share again, you know, Bateman, I can get behind because I think that he can at least start, but then you have Wallace who would even be behind Bateman at this point as a fourth round pick. So again, that one's tougher to get on. So for me, I kind of have to go even deeper and it's, it's Daz Newsom uh, for the Chicago bears. He was taken with one of their really late round picks, but he solely played the slot at North Carolina. I could argue that he could have produced better numbers if he hadn't been surrounded by a ton of nfl talent we've already talked about like half the guys on this podcast you know javante williams michael carter uh Diami brown who also got drafted by the the washington football team so Daz newsome comes in they're trying to trade anthony miller there's a potential opening in the slot you know we obviously talked about amon sam brown as yep. a guy that he's gonna get targets from the slot this could potentially be their fill-in Daz newsome he's a really good punt returner too and i i know that prospects that have special teams ability that usually comes in really well when they go to the NFL. Deontay Johnson was a really good punt returner. Antonio Brown was a really good punt returner. So as a late flyer, I think Dazu's because kind of interesting. You know, hey, he's attached to Justin Fields. It's not a bad, it's not a bad quarterback to be attached to.
1: I think he nailed it, Andrew. And we also just saw the Chicago Bears take a fifth round wide receiver last year and find a spot for him in yeah. three wide receiver sets far sooner than we thought. Shout out Darnell Mooney. And yeah, man, knew some like seems to check the boxes as someone that could start in the slot right away. I have long liked Anthony Miller, but as we've talked about on this pod, the Bears do not (laughs) at all. There's already been reports they're trying to trade him. A release would not be unexpected. And, you know, if he stays on the team, he might just like not play. That's what they generally have done with him over the past (laughs) two years. And uh, as I've mentioned, uh, the Chicago Bears player voted most likely to be late to practice, Mr. Anthony Miller. So, hey, maybe Miller, you know, gets his head screwed on straighter and balls out. I'd love to see it, but uh, probably going to be somewhere else not chicago uh dez fitzpatrick i know people don't love him but just realize tennessee before this draft we all said whatever wide receiver goes there is gonna be set up the ball i think we we're all hoping it wasn't gonna take until the fourth round and it was gonna be you know elijah moore terrence marshall one of these other guys unfortunately it's Des fitzpatrick but hey, let's not write the guy off until we see him play a little bit. If he's out there, you know, starting full time, which I'm not even sure if he's going to surpass Josh Reynolds, uh, we're going to have to get to know him. And then finally, I think Cornell Powell, man, with the Chiefs, like we know Tyree going to be out there, but it's. Not wouldn't be completely shocking to see Powell beat out, you know, Byron Pringle, me, Cole Hartman, Demarcus Robinson. Again, maybe I'm just putting too much stock in how good he looked against my <laughs> Buckeyes in that Clemson, Ohio state game. But dude, the guy is shredded. Like first team, all body. You see the guy, uh, you know, just other uh, pictures. We got the chiefs, uh, Twitter uh, poking around and, you know, someone's got to replace Sammy Watkins. And they can talk about, you know, Pringle having a chip on his shoulder and all that, but I don't know, man. Cornell Powell sn- sn- sneaky guy. So the thing with Cornell
0: Powell that annoys me, er, he's old. He's so old, dude. Super senior, man. He's so old. This is an <laughs> ages podcast, but it's only ages if we see them play old
1: Andrew. It's okay. <laughs> this is why he went to round five, but it's okay. He's and got the other, of Mahomes throwing him the ball. The
0: other, th- okay, yeah, all right. So how how have the wide receiver threes done with Patrick Mahomes okay. so far throughout his career? It's, okay, it's been you, rough so far. You but had to with, go there with uh, with. I mean, I think it's good for <laughs> McCole, McCole Hartman's a winner. You know, we're gonna talk. We're gonna into some winners later, but McCole Hartman you know okay they didn't really i, I don't think cornell powell is a a threat to really do anything in my in my opinion just looking at his college production profile i mean if justin ross had not gotten hurt like would cornell powell be in the league at all like okay. i guess that's that's okay. that's my one question with with him and then Des patrick man he just he's just a, he's just a jag man <laughs> i think it's it's like, and then they drafted that other guy from LSU. Like, I'm pretty sure he only got drafted because he went to LSU. Dude, he. I think he's has, a special teamer. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's like there were plenty of other solid wide receivers still available. And I was just kind of shocked that that was the, that was the direction the Titans went. And, and, and one thing too, that point out is if you look at the receivers that were at the senior bowl this year, they were all the ones that got drafted high. Like it's crazy because it it seems like the NFL was just like, okay, like we didn't get to watch any of these guys. We didn't get to meet any of these guys except at the senior bowl. So, okay. These are the guys ranking like Eskridge senior bowl guy by the Seahawks. Like it's, it's actually like comical to look at the senior bowl list and be like, Oh yeah. Like these are all the guys that all went in day two, Amari Rogers, senior bowl, Nico Collins. I think Nico Collins deserved it. He deserved it, but senior bowl. So yeah, I think it's just really just focus on AJ Brown Anthony yeah. Ferkser, even Josh Reynolds. I mean, we joke around about the 200 target thing, but 17 game season, it's, it's <laughs> probably going to happen.
1: That is actually very true. Just to be clear, number one, Amon Ra St. Brown, easily slight little drop off. We got Daz Newsome big, 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 big drop off Cornell Powell and maybe Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills. As soon as I get the ad up, the hits literally keep on coming from one boxing event to the next. They grow in excitement and anticipation. And this weekend is no different with two (laughs) of the sports, most respected fighters stepping into the ring Saturday night. There is no better place to get on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app to celebrate this weekend's huge event. DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users the opportunity to get 55 to one odds on either main event fighter to win this weekend's fight. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use Code PFF when you sign up. Limited time. All new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. Who is it? That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users, offering them a chance to win 55 to 1 odds, 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. DraftKings.com. Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, one 800 with it Not sure who is fighting this weekend, but as we saw, as I told you guys before, when the uh, Usman Masvidal card, and I stress, please get Usman because he was like a minus 300 favorite, not because I'm a freaking genius at betting these things. Just uh, before you get that 55 to 1 odds, don't just pick a fighter. Look at the odds on DraftKings Sportsbook and pick the one that's probably a massive favorite because boxing is half of a fight and usually a pretty rigged sport anyway, so that's that Andrew moving on now we talked about the rookies now we're going to change pace a little bit I want to look at the biggest winners from their team not drafting a position and I mean look there's we could talk about this for an hour so just kind of focusing on I guess maybe one guy per position and we'll quickly discuss the others uh who at QB do you say hey I mean they have no competition now things are looking even better than ever for 2021
0: I think it's pretty I think it's I mean, if they could have, they could have drafted Trey Lance and that could have set him up for, okay, is he going to play the rest of the season or what's going to happen with him? But instead they just gave him arguably the best tight end to come out in the history of the NFL and Kyle Pitts. So look, we, we talk about having the mobile quarterbacks that we want, but if you, Half, you know, you can't always get one. Hold on,
1: hold on, hold on. That was a hell of a hyperbole you
0: just said right there. Possibly the best tight end to ever come into the NFL. You know, he's, he's just he's just a guy. You know, we'll see. Go on. He's just, go on. he's just a guy, but he's going to make it really easy for Matt Ryan to throw a lot of touchdowns. Look, and I think the biggest thing too is just with Arthur Smith taking over as that offensive or as the head coach just the play action usage. Like that's the thing that was holding Matt Ryan back. I think the last couple of seasons, you know, 21.9% in 2019, 19.6% in 2020, you know, under Smith, you know, Ryan Tannehill led the NFL in play action percentage, 36% in 2020. And, and Matt Ryan's been, you know, in the, in the low end 20% the last couple of seasons. And you look back to Kyle Shanahan, that was when Matt Ryan was all about play action. So yeah. More weapons, if they keep Julio, I I mean, I think Matt Ryan has a chance to, you know, again, throw for like 5,000 yards.
1: Yeah, I had Matt Ryan number two, but just because I think he probably would have been a strong candidate to start anyway. But it is good they got him pits instead of like Lance. I hear what you're saying there. Uh, other honorable mention guys Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, assuming a, certain, <laughs> assuming a certain Green Bay quarterback doesn't eventually make his way to Denver. Sam Darnold, obviously. I mean, look, you know, Andrew, it's like the opposite of the I can't quit you meme. It's like I can't quit you, Sam Darnold, and I want to keep doing so. But the more they keep surrounding this guy with good uh, play callers and weapons, well, at least they're
0: gonna know. They're gonna know like right away. It's like, okay, uh, well did, we, did it
1: work. We, we already know Sam Donald's gonna play lights out in the preseason too, which is gonna make this like even harder to wrap our minds around. But <laughs> things are looking, you know, it's objectively good for Sam Darnold. All these things have been good yeah. for his uh process, no doubt about that to uh jalen hurts more guys that we can start again getting just fully behind if we want to uh because the lack of competition jared goff lol talked about him don't need to really go much more into that the main winner in my opinion was mr ryan fitzpatrick we didn't know what washington was going to do there and fitzpatrick that's kind of the bridge qb that you know rivera already has said it's going to be a competition but fitzpatrick look Taylor Haneke played his ass off in that playoff game. That's great. Fitzpatrick should be the man. And that is great news and fancy, ladies and mostly gentlemen. QB two in weeks seven through 17 in 2019. QB eight in weeks one through six before he lost his job to Tua. I mean, look, you know, he was coming in like fourth quarters, halfway through the third and like really playing well consistently, despite having these awful situations and the same horrendous receivers that Tua was being forced to throw to. So, man, Fitz. I know earlier in his career he was much more boomer bust. But we've only seen mostly the former here in recent years. Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, one of my favorite picks. Diami Brown uh, coming in. I know we didn't talk about him with the rookies, but I think uh, Diami Brown, your guy Josh Palmer, are probably you know in that six, seven, eight range if we're looking at guys for this year. So all great things there for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you know I think him and Matt Ryan should be right around and you know honestly man like i know we want to rank fields and lawrence uh you know right kind of around that qb1 borderline but that means putting them ahead of ryan and fitzpatrick it's something taking a long, something worth taking a long look at
0: yeah it's definitely hard to figure out where to place the rookies with the mobile upside versus the less mobile statue quarterbacks that just project to be you know really efficient that have like tons of weapons and things like that and that's and goes back to what i was saying earlier that there's a lot of late round quarterbacks that look really nice right now on paper. So you really need to be kind of maybe not having all the weapons is and really enough anymore because there's a lot of quarterbacks that have a lot of really great weapons. So I think it's important to really be particular with who you decide to go with. Cause look, I mean, Sam Darnold, you look at his weapons like, Oh my God, like this is great. But then make sure you look at all the other quarterbacks and their weapons first before you're like, yeah, no, Sam Darnold, get back on. It's like, okay, wait, 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 hold on. Hold, hold the phone.
1: (laughs) All right, people, moving on to the running backs. I told you about a month ago that Chris Carson was an RB1 for me. RB12 for specific, but if you're 1 through 12, it counts as an RB1. I was mocked by some of you on Twitter, and that's okay. I I enjoy our discourse. You know, feel free to keep (laughs) – feel free to keep hating. It's all good. I'm not losing any sleep. Andrew, Chris Carson looks like a freaking big winner, man. Not only was Rashad Penny's fifth-year extension declined, not only did the Seahawks let Carlos Hyde walk, not only did they re-sign Chris Carson, they had not even added a single running back to this room. Chris Carson last year was healthy in weeks one through five. He was a PPR RB five in weeks one through five. He comes back in week 12. He's playing hurt like first game back, was on the field feared in 40% of snaps. Didn't matter. He was still the PPR RB 12 from weeks 12 through 17 last year. Seahawks, what'd they say right after the season? They want to run the ball they somehow fired brian schottenheimer to find someone else that will run the ball more which i did not even know was possible so look i don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball that much we've talked about the seahawks and titans teams that want to run the ball but you look at their defense and you're like i'm not i'm not so sure it's going to be able to happen for you bro Carson, he's a pass down back. He's their early down back. He is their three down back in an offense that we consistently see be a top 10 scoring unit with Russell Wilson under center. What am I missing, Andrew? Like, I get it. He's getting a little bit older. It sucks he's been banged up, but he's been nothing but an RB1 when he's been on the field for like three straight years.
0: The list of running backs that actually play 16 games or 17 games is very short. Like, right. there are uh, not that many running backs that do it, so that, that shouldn't be your goal to find a running back that – can last the whole season. You know who lasts the whole season? Devin Singletary. You can draft him. <laughs> <laughs> you feel great about it. But there we go. <laughs> if you have Chris Carson, you're going to get 12 weeks of RB1 production. And that's what we care about. If anything, he's shown that he can play banged up, which not all running backs can do. A lot of some running backs lose efficiency and aren't nearly as good or nearly as productive. But this is a high power offense. So whether they're cooking by throwing, or cooking by running the football, it's going to benefit Chris Carson either way. I mean, I, I think they finally come to grips that Rashad Penny is just not going to be their guy. I mean, they rejected his, uh, right. like you had mentioned. So I think that's pretty clear to me that they're not going to try to make him a thing. They're kind of ready to kind of like, all right, well, we're done with our first, our former first round pick, kind of like the Patriots that seemed like with Sony Michelle. So yeah, I, I, you don't have to convince me in. Someone was saying <laughs> that like they had just moved Chris Carson ahead of Miles Sanders after Kenneth Gainwell got drafted. And I was like, I did this like two months ago.
1: <laughs> now, now look now Carson, you know, I'm, I i do not want to hurt myself, patting myself on the back. We'll, we'll find out in a few months uh, <laughs> h- how right or wrong uh, I am with this, but there are several other running backs who we both and the whole community were much lower on that. Now we can, I think afford to get hired on. I'm just going to list some and then feel free to uh, go off on kind of one that you feel particularly good about, but, Under the radar, the Bills, we've talked about them being a nice little zero RB team. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, when you do these best ball drafts, you'll see how just late they are still available, and I get it. Josh Allen, he does not like checking the ball down. He likes taking off inside the 10-yard line. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him, as he continues to progress as a passer, become a little bit less Josh Allen. I just don't know if he's going to push for 10 rushing touchdowns every year. Like, Is that seriously possible from a human being? Maybe if it is, it's Josh Allen can achieve it. But again, when you're getting these guys at such a discount, do you think they make sense as zero RB targets with ADPs into the thirties? Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, huge winners. Miles Gaskin last year, the RB 12 and PPR points per game. Mike Davis finished as the actual PPR RB 12 behind Christian McCaffrey. Hate on his home run ability all you want. I think that's, we always say 40 times don't matter for running backs, but then everyone wants to talk about their home run ability afterwards. So freaking make up your minds, everybody. Antonio Gibson, sneaky winner. I always thought it was weird when people were projecting like ETN to Washington or whatever, but they didn't have anybody. So if JD McKissick can just chill the hell out, we still got a chance for Gibson to become the DC CMC workhorse we've been hoping for. Teton Bay backfield, still a mess, but at least we don't have someone else to deal with there. And uh, finally, Chase Edmonds, who we talked about a little bit, Andrew, where, you know, Rondale Moore. Certainly, a candidate to steal some of those uh, targets and James Conner being there isn't the most ideal thing. But the fact they didn't add a true running back in the top two rounds is objectively good news for Chase Edmonds. So feel free, floor is yours. Who kind of sticks out from that group?
0: I think it's for me. I mean, Miles Gaskin has been someone that I have been trying to advocate for people to, to try to go out and acquire and draft. I know that before the draft last week, I we published an article about you know a dynasty by Miles Gaskin because I, I was convinced I, I looked at. Chris Greer, his his track record running backs, basically since they drafted Ronnie Brown, second overall, Miami Dolphins, they just stopped drafting running backs. They drafted Kenyon Drake in the third round, but after that, they just kind of stopped. And it makes sense from an analytically analytically driven franchise that they would not invest in the running back position. That's exactly what they've done. They drafted a guy in the seventh round again. Um, His name is escaping me. But again, I, I think that they showed us last year that they really like, Miles Gaskin, I know you mentioned he was top 12 in fantasy points per game. So that's something that's really important to pay attention to. But again, even like a touches, he was averaging 18.3 touches per game. You know, that's, that's more than Alvin Kamara. That's just one plus touch than Ezekiel Elliott. Like this is Miles Gaskin. And, and it was yeah. whenever he was healthy, whenever he was available, he was their workhorse. And the, and the big difference between him and like a James Robinson was James Robinson beat out nobody last year. Right. He, he Raquel Armstead got COVID. It didn't play. And then there was no one else there. <laughs> Miles Gaskin beat out Jordan Howard who rushed for a thousand yards in the NFL. Like we can make fun of Jordan Howard. We want, but he did that. Like he's a legitimate NFL running back. And the Ma- same thing with Ma- Matt Brito Brito. was there. Yeah, exactly. So he beat out legitimate NFL talent where James Robinson didn't. So it's not surprising for me that James Robinson is the one that now has competition and Miles Gaskin doesn't.
1: Great points all around, Andrew. And I do just want to bring up one guy who I mentioned earlier, but Yeah, Joe Mixon, people, just in terms of total touches, it's adding up. He was number one in the NFL in touches before he got hurt. And, you know, once again, people are going to say, you know, look at the O-line. What about the O-line? We know the guy can catch the ball. We know he's going to be the RB1 on an extending offense. Don't be afraid to go back to well with Joe Mixon. He is a winner from this draft with only Chris Evans being added. Now for the wide receivers, I'm going to run through some of my notes here. As you said, Andrew, AJB 200 target season. Fully in the works, feeling good about that. The second Aaron Rodgers, that saga has truly solved, people. Like, if Devontae Adams is not catching balls from Aaron Rodgers, like, we've kind of joked around about AJB, the wide receiver one. No Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) No longer a joke. AJB will be the wide receiver one in fantasy land. I cannot wait. Uh, the Patriots did not not only did not add a receiver, but they added Mac Jones, potentially turn this into more of a pass-first offense. I think Nelson Aguilar has a chance to be a steal where he's currently going. You can keep doing the dropping baby meme all you guys want. It's funny. We can laugh. But just realize 2020 Nelson Aguilar, despite some drops here and there, was making a lot of big plays. Downfield, explosive guy, and he should be the number one receiver in that offense. Indy, Jacksonville, Raiders, more offenses that didn't add anyone, look for their incumbent guys to take steps forward. I know Indy and Vegas are so crowded, but Jacksonville, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, guys, I'm really going to be rising up through the process. Talked about Detroit already, Bashad Perryman maybe being a winner. The Saints only took a round seven guy. Andrew and I, we aren't thrilled about Traquan Smith, but he is someone that, you know, we do see the value go up. and. This one surprised me. I must have missed it. The two like free agent signings that I just did not remember happening and then was kind of shocked to see them. It was when Joe Flacco, I found out he was a member of the Eagles and I was like, hold on, when, how, why? (laughs) I got that figured out. And the other one that happened today was that Mohamed Sanu is back on the 49ers, man. Like, shit, is he really going to be their starting slot receiver in the year 2021? Maybe, but they did not take... A receiver, which is good, objectively good news for Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. But if you're like me and did not know Muhammad Sanu is out there, uh, maybe we'll get some of his, uh, you know, token wildcat snaps with uh, launching a nice deep ball down the field. If they don't feel like letting Jimmy G do that, I said a lot there, Andrew. Uh, what situations do you want to kind of focus in on?
0: Yeah. So I think that Michael Thomas is just so underrated again, or, or not really. Again, like last year, he was a wide receiver one overall, and now he's basically getting like in the third round. So for me, I, we've said this on the podcast before, but like you want to get AJ Brown and then you want to draft Michael Thomas because the guy, again, he's actually got what he's got. His 2019 season had to get 185 targets. I, I get people are concerned about the quarterbacks, I guess, but when he played with Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill was targeting him like no one else. And Jameis Winston, we have a track record of him supporting two wide receiver ones with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So I, I mean, look, Drew Brees. Yes. He targeted Michael Thomas a lot, but he also was targeting him five yards downfield. So there's a, an element of upside now with Michael Thomas, who yes, he's not known as a deep threat receiver, but he's just never been asked to do it because his quarterback, that wasn't part of the offensive game plan. Like it's going to be part of it, especially because you mentioned is traquan Smith the number two guy. Like, Okay. That usually means it's going to be Michael Thomas. Look, a lot of times we, we try to find, you know, these number two guys, but more often than not, it just, it ends up being just more targets for the alpha, (laughs) like the alpha just kind of, and especially when we know the alpha who we already know who it is, it's established. So with Michael Thomas, with AJ Brown, I think it's pretty clear. And then you mentioned the Jaguars. So the Jaguars are really weird because if you look at their, their vacated targets from last season you know, they ranked third in terms of target percentage of vacated targets, which is really weird. Cause you look at their depth chart. you're like, who did they lose? It's like, you know, they just got rid of like all of the, like the low hanging fruit that were like getting targets. Like Keelan Cole is gone. Chris, Conley. Chris Conley's gone. Um, It's weird. Cause you'd think wait, those guys were getting targets, but like, yeah, they, they were legitimately really getting wild. targets. So for them to not add a receiver, I think until like the seventh round. So I guess really nobody, you know, Chenault, you know, just praying that, that urban Meyer doesn't like chenault or something because he wanted to replace him with Kadarius tony hoping that's not a thing but it's good it seems like both of those guys are gonna get a lot of volume
1: well that problem doesn't exist yeah th- i mean that was the you said before like starting to worry about urban meyer and when he's that distraught over not getting <laughs> Kadarius tony it's like uh urban like why is that the, like urban why are you that upset about Kadarius tony aaron Rodgers, <laughs> why are you that upset about jay kumaro oh, just uh you know kind of classic uh Why the F was it between Muhammad and McLovin type vibes uh, going on there? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, quickly, again, just to conclude, some of these big veteran winning wide receivers. Nelson Aguilar, seriously, people, like one of the cheaper number one receivers we're going to be able to get now. I think a similar sentiment can be said for Brashad Perryman. And yeah, LaVisca, Chennault, and DJ Chark are going to be guys that I'm going to be trying to probably not quite wide receiver two land, but, you know, high-end wide receiver threes I'm going to actively be targeting. Last point, got a quote. Got a quote from uh, John Lynch, who might know something about this situation, but John Lynch said, and then we find it, that the 49ers are encouraged – by Jalen Hurd's rehab, and they think he will be ready to go. Oh man. Jalen Hurd, for those that don't know, split carries with Alvin Kamara. So you already know I'm sold on this guy because he's you know your typical RB wide receiver hybrid that I just get infatuated with. Split carries with Alvin Kamara at Tennessee, comes out as a wide receiver, misses his whole first year because of injury. He's coming on the pre- or, Okay, came on the preseason his first year, like had two touchdowns against the Cowboys, was looking good. Gets hurt, misses that whole season, misses all of last season. But Andrew, he's coming back. I'm not sure where all these touches are going to come from. I'm not saying you should go draft this guy, but I am saying I'm I'm excited to maybe watch Jalen Hurd play regular season football.
0: I mean, Jalen Hurd is either just as he's either better than Alvin Kamara, or the coach of Tennessee is just an absolute moron. (laughs) Bro, like,
1: imagine pick like you know Kamara again, first team all swag, and you're you're putting the six four like two twenty guy out there, and not even like Kamara was objectively better than hurt at tennessee but it wasn't like her wasn't doing anything i mean yeah. it's, it's a fun highlight tape to watch uh, <laughs> if you're bored at at midnight like uh sometimes tight end position i'm gonna reel off some of the big winners anthony firxer he arguably like one like regardless of position one of the biggest winners here you know with John smith gone we're fully expecting firxer to be the guy in that tennessee tight end room my guy chris herndon is once again back in action, looking good. The Jets did not draft a tight end. You know, I I just had this sick feeling in my stomach that we could see Zach Ertz make his way over to gangrene. That's going to be a sad day. (laughs) I can just see my mentions being flooded right now. But right now, people, I know I let a lot of you down last year and you wasted those 15-round picks on – for Chris Herndon. All I'm saying this year is you can get him around 17. So don't be, don't be so quick to say no. Um, I do worry. You know, you're looking at the Bengals and the Cowboys. You could say that them not drafting Pitts was good, but I would just caution. Yuzoma, Blake Jarwin coming back from injuries, Drew Sample and Dalton Schultz, uh, respectively, were good enough last year in their absence that I think we could see a little bit more of a 50-50 split. Uh, And again, all these wide receivers to throw to in these offenses, even with pass-catching backs, I'm not going out of my way to get a Cincy or Dallas tight end, even though I do see the scenario where uh, it could work out. Adam Troutman with the Saints looking good. I mean, not having the wide receiver added means he could theoretically be their number three pass game option behind Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. And finally, with the Rams, man, not only did Gerald Everett leave, but they really just declined to replace him. So Tyler Higbee uh, also popping as a post uh, hype guy. Like, I, you know, it's always a little tongue in cheek with uh, Chris Herndon. Like, please take Furkser. Higby and Troutman ahead of Chris Herndon. I'm not trying to, you know, screw everyone over again, but I will say, you know, I was just doing a best ball draft. There will be situations where all these people are gone. You need a third tight end. Chris Herndon can be your tight end three in a best ball tournament. Andrew, how's that for going out on a limb for a guy?
0: Dude, I I, I don't draft three tight ends in best ball, only two. So Herndon is going to be my number two guy. But There we go. Okay.
1: Okay. That, that, you had me in the first half, but uh, it ended up being okay
0: but you can't forget about our our guy, TJ Hawkinson, who's going to, they need to get him a life True. jacket because he's going to, so that's the thing with Drown him. So, targets. So, so so he he's basically, he's like my Kyle Pitts cutoff. So I will rank, I think the highest I can rank Kyle Pitts is five, regardless of like however situations play out. Julio Jones is gone or whatever. So like I, I will easily rank Kyle Pitts over Mark Andrews, over Goddard, depending on how sh- situations say, shake out. But Hawkinson's kind of like my cutoff because I, I think Hawkinson legitimately has the chance to be he so, see so many targets in that offense. Like he fits really more stylistically with what Jared Goff does. Like Jared Goff doesn't really throw the ball downfield a lot. It, it's really more in that intermediate to short level where he actually was decent as a in in terms of PFF grade from ten to nineteen yards downfield, perfect for tight ends. Hawkinson is someone that I'm just super excited. And he doesn't cost what it costs to put up Waller or the stats that Waller have or George Kittle or Kelsey. Like Hawkinson, like I think like the fourth or fifth round, I think is just absolute money.
1: I am with you. And look, people, I mean, do you remember why Tyler Higbee was Randomly the tight end six (laughs) last year going in. It was because of that stretch he had at the end of 2019 with nobody else to throw to. And we saw Goff enable Higby to four straight games with over 100 yards and then only eight catches for 84 yards and a touchdown in the final week. So it's a new offense. But right now, the lead projected target leader in anyone's book is TJ Hawkinson. And we do know Goff, when asked to, with one tight end, can enable one fantasy. So great stuff there. All right, everyone, we're going to close things out here with a look. At our favorite and least favorite draft from again a real life perspective, uh not so much with the fantasy. So, Andrew, hit me with your favorite and least favorite draft.
0: So, I think the favorite the one I have is pretty chalky, but I think it's pretty clear it's the Chicago Bears getting Justin Fields, trading up for him, doing whatever it can to make Andy Dalton not their starting quarterback. I think that was just such a super smart move by them. Ryan Pace again, he's made a lot of draft picks that have not worked out but this was one of them that was really smart to do because his, his job is on the line. Like he, it, he doesn't really care about the first round picks next year. Cause he may not be here. So to get Justin Fields makes a lot of sense. And then to follow it up with Tevin Jenkins um, as a right tackle. I know I had Tevin Jenkins mocked to them as like their first round pick. So to shore up the right offensive part of their line, which was literally disastrous. It makes it, it's such a good move um, again, go back with another offensive tackle and, and then to come back with my guy, Khalil Herbert, who I think can be a, a decent, you know, backup to David Montgomery. So Excited to play him in preseason DFS. And then I mentioned Daz Newsome as well. They got themselves a decent slot receiver there in one of the late rounds.
1: I did go to college on a South side Chicago school and all my friends were just absolutely thrilled with the bears draft. First time in a while I've seen a <laughs> Chicago bears faithful. So thrilled. I'm happy to happen. And also as a, uh, you know, Columbus, Ohio lifer, as I like to bring up, uh, you know, I'm happy to see Justin Fields in a situation where he should be under center sooner rather than later. I'm going to go with the chargers. I think kind of consensus, big three, if you can, you can check out on people.com. We do have, you know, classic token draft grades for everyone that's into that and the chargers bears and browns were the three teams i believe that came away with a plus grades but yeah man for the chargers i mean they always seem to get like the Awesome non-quarterback that just, I mean, not, 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 not taking anything away from Herbert, but between like Joey Bosa, Derwin James, yeah. and now Rashawn Slater. They just always seem to get the guy that like slides into the teens and they're just happy to scoop him up at value. So Rashawn Slater at 13, absolutely fantastic. Asante Samuel Jr. is someone that, you know, on our uh, PFF draft show, Darius Butler was saying he thought Samuel should have gone in round one over some of the guys that were taking. To get him in round two to replace Casey Hayward is fantastic. Josh Palmer, your guy's an upgrade at wide receiver three you know we'll see how many targets he gets behind Mike Keenan and Eckler but at a minimum he's going to be a nice real life upgrade I think over Guyton and Tyron Johnson and you know they just continue to fill out the defense afterwards so please football guys I'm knocking on wood but keep Joey Bosa and Derwin James healthy for one year and maybe just maybe this Chargers team that every single year looks so good on paper coming into it can actually turn that into some playoff success we shall see my bad team I guess I go with the Cardinals man I just I don't trust Cliff to use Rondale more properly. I think that's just where it kind of comes down to. Like, great player, I get it. As Austin Gale said, you know Calvin Johnson stuck in West Walker's body, and I'm not willing to say that's not true, but. You know, I remember when draft Twitter was all over Andy Isabella. Some were calling him the number two receiver in that class. And when he fell to Arizona, it was, you know, everyone was so pumped because there was no target competition at all. Now there's more target competition because A.J. Green got like seven or eight million somehow. I have no idea why anyone pay him that much money after last year, but he's there. We have DeAndre Hopkins, who commands arguably the most target share in the league. He's there. Incoming starter, Christian Kirk. And then we got more guys like Isabella that could just feasibly keep rondale off the field so maybe you know fake sharp cliff turns turns it around and he gets sharp and all that but i just don't quite buy it man and then you know the first round lb uh zayman collins look six five 270 with coverage skills he might very well be a great player but there might not be a more sorry cornerback room in the league right now man and for them to only really address that with a fourth and sixth rounder i mean we got robert alford malcolm butler and byron murphy starting right now man that's that's going to be DFS heaven uh, playing wide receivers (laughs) against this Cardinals team. So, Hey, maybe the front seven, you know, they're going to, they got Chandler Jones back healthy. So maybe they're just trying to get the pass rush juiced up enough so that they can, you know, help ease up the coverage concerns. But I would certainly like to see them have uh, both situations a little bit more under control. So, Really going through the drafts, I was surprised I didn't see more train wrecks. I mean, some teams, you know, like the Rams uh, or the Texans, like you're not thrilled about it, but they just didn't really have many picks to work with. So, you know, I don't want to come down too hard on the Cardinals, but just based on those first two-round picks, uh, I don't think they did a good job really filling some of their major holes. Uh, any other team that really pissed you off, Andrew?
0: Giants, I really wanted the draft lineman, honestly, because I thought, you know, as a Daniel Jones stand in my own right – I really think that they need to protect him a little bit better. They say that they're confident in the guys that they have, and that's the reason why they didn't, you know, add anyone to the O-line. But you know, saw was there, available for them at pick 20, and they chose Kadarius Tony. And again, like you mentioned with Rondell Moore, look, this Giants offense, it just looks stacked on paper. It's stacked, stacked, stacked. And then you got Kadarius Tony, and then you have Jason Garrett. Like he he's literally the question mark. And it sucks because we can do all the analysis we want about, you know, Daniel Jones and how great he is throwing downfield and how they can use Kadarius Tony in the screen game and the Pat, like, but it doesn't matter because if Jason Garrett doesn't do what he needs to get done, then it's all going to crumble. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. I was literally just talking to uh, Josh Norris about this before this podcast. And he was saying how, you know, everyone sees Andy Reid getting me Cole and they want to get their, you know, gadget speed guy to kind of replicate that. And we were both just like, okay, Andy Reid can't make it work. Like what's Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones going to do? Like, no way.
0: <laughs> Uh, yeah. So for me, it's like Kadarius Tony just has, it, it sucks because like, I hate to like bury a guy before he's even like literally stepped on the field, but I, I just find it, he's going to be facing a very uphill battle to be like even a fantasy relevant guy. He was a first round pick. So that's going to be attractive to a lot of people. But again, there's, there's too many targets in the offense that are going to be going away from him. And I just, I don't see it really working super, super well. And he, they also drafted, uh, Aziz ojalare from Georgia. Um, but if you look at the last couple of Georgia guys that they've drafted really hasn't worked out well, I don't know what, I mean, Dave Gettleman clearly knows someone at Georgia and that's why he keeps <laughs> continuing to draft the Georgia Bulldogs. But you know, one of them, I can't remember it, but one of the guys was the cornerback that got arrested and is like literally not even in the league anymore. Um, so a lot of their, I don't know who he's talking to at Georgia and the, the information he's getting in, but it clearly it hasn't been working super, super well. So that's, that, that's something that I, I didn't really like either. And just them not addressing the, the offensive line I just think was a, a big a big no-no because that's what they needed to upgrade with and they just didn't do it. And, and there was a guy that was clearly there. If Darius had been gone or whatever, like, okay, I, I get the pick adding a receiver, but I mean, I would have added a different receiver altogether, so.
1: I think a similar sentiment could be said for the Steelers. Najee and Firemouth. you know, I think a great running back and great tight end, but if you look at what they probably needed, more so it would be a lineman. You no know, credit to them for spending on the position rounds three or four, but... Man, we're pretty much looking like a 2020 Rams situation where (laughs) it was a bad offensive line last year. They haven't put many resources into it. We're just going to have to kind of hope that some of the incumbent guys can uh, step their game up. Not impossible. And, you know, I'm not – again, don't fade a high-volume running back just because they're O-line people. But I do think the Steelers probably deserve to be uh, in that worst draft class conversation. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you for tuning with us on the 76 and going minute long podcast. Andrew, good stuff as always, bud. What do you got uh, on PFF.com this week?
0: So just a couple of recaps. Winners can losers from the draft. Talking about fantasy breakouts, fantasy non-breakouts. Who's going to disappoint? And I actually did a the UDF tracker. So it's over on PFF.com. Nice. I, I was searching for it. I couldn't find it. Talked to Austin. <laughs> you can do it, Andrew. So I just spent, you know, two hours searching the internet twitter to figure out all these undrafted free agents so it's up there it's live the tracker uh the patriots at this time have not added anybody they're the one team that has zero udfa add additions just belichick doing his thing i don't know why but once i know it the tracker will be updated Bill just went crazy <laughs> day
1: one of free agency so we could start vacation early does the draft and he's like i'm done i'm done we got our guys." We'll- We'll see what goes on there. we got our opt-outs coming back this year. But, yeah, everyone <laughs> make sure you check that great stuff out from Andrew and at Andrew Erickson underscore on Twitter. I have a my top five rookie QBs, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends for 2021. An article went up uh, this morning at PFF.com. We'll have a veteran piece on Wednesday and my updated top 150 ready for Friday. And people, tentatively, we are scheduled to have none other than Bengals wide receiver t higgins on the podcast it's friday very excited to ask him 10 questions about this and that and maybe get us some you know good dirt if that's the right word on some fancy <laughs> stuff going next year yes. so fingers crossed that comes to fruition thank you as always for tuning in to pff fantasy football podcast he's andrew i'm ian until next time take care everybody